teaching half hour or so. I'm Jodi Ann, and I'm your host of this little podcast. And you know what? This is my very first episode. So I'm so very excited to have you here with me today. Today, we're going to be going over a few different things. I'm going to give you a little bio and introduce myself a little more so you know who I am before we start spending all this time together. So over the years, I've practiced as a solitary witch and within small covens of witches. I was initiated in Wicca back in the 90s. It was the first path I found. This was all before like the internet, before we had everything at our fingertips the way we do now. I've since studied the Golden Dawn traditions, completed classes on traditional British witchcraft, and completed multiple shamanic courses. Within my personal craft, I do use spells. I do energy work, and I incorporate shamanic practices. I work very closely with a number of goddesses and gods, nature spirits, and the fairy realm. One thing I'm passionate about is the idea of practicing the craft in a way that supports us in the 21st century. Goddess work is a huge part of my self-care routines and my personal healing journey. I really hope over the time we share together that I can share some of how I used these old ways of the wise women to really facilitate personal transformations in my life. Okay, so... Welcome to the segment of the Witching Half Hour or So, where we talk about tarot. I'm going to call it Tarot Talks. This is our first one together, so I think I'm just going to babble a little bit about what I plan to do here. I want to go through the High Arcana with you one card at a time. Now, I've been reading tarot cards since I was 17, so that is a very long time. So, I don't want to just do the 101 stuff that you can Google. I want to try to dig a little deeper with the cards. I want to talk about some of the symbology behind the tarot, some of the older decks that aren't as popular. I want to do some 202 stuff with you. What do you think about that? I think it's going to be pretty fun. So let's dive into this. To start off, I want you to know that the cards have really changed a lot over time, and I imagine most of you are familiar with the Rider Waite Smith deck. Yes, I call it the Waite Smith deck because I want to give a great big shout out to Pamela Coleman Smith, who actually penned them and did all those illustrations when I talk about that deck. Okay, so that's the deck that most of our modern decks are based off of. She's the one who put all of those cool illustrations on all of the pip cards. Before Pamela Coleman-Smith did all those lovely illustrations, the pip cards in our tarot cards were just like pictures of cups and swords and wands. So the four of cups had four cups on it, not someone staring reflectively into a pond. The oldest deck that we still have artistic copies of is the Tarot de Marseille. I think I'm pronouncing that right, but I might not be. Sorry if I get it wrong. I'm terrible at pronouncing Italian words. 
It's from the Italian Renaissance, like I was saying, and one of the oldest copies we have of it dates back to around the 1600s. It's thought that we had tarot cards in like the late 1490s and 1500s. We just don't have any copies of those. If you follow the history, there was a game people played similar to bridge and really wealthy people and courtiers and kings and queens would have tarot decks drawn up with um, pictures of their family and little princesses and, and courtiers and stuff. And I think I've heard and read that there's still copies of some of those around in collections in the world, but the whole deck that we have is the Tarot de Marseille, and it is from the 1600s. So that's the deck I actually learned off of, and I'm going to refer to some of the art around that. My personal deck collection contains a lot of contemporary decks. Some of them really closely reflect the Ryder White Smith deck. Some of them are their own artist rendition. So I'm going to talk about some of those, just some of my favorite ones. There's a few other decks that I don't really own a copy of, but I think they're pretty important. One of them is the Thoth deck. That one has some interesting things about it, and we'll probably talk about that. Um, yeah. Oh, and for everything, I'm going to be making sure in my show notes that I have a link to the YouTube channel. So any cards I talk about, you'll be able to go there, click on it, and kind of get more of a visual. And you know, you might even want to go ahead and subscribe to that channel so you don't miss out on anything. One of my favorite ways of thinking about the High Arcana is as a journey that the Fool takes to enlightenment. So let's start with the Fool card and let's get to know him. Along with the Tarot of Marseille and the Waitsmith deck, I'm going to be referring to one of my favorite decks to read from that I bring to all of the psychic fairs I work, The Legacy of the Divine Tarot. And that is penned by another Italian name I have a hard time with, Ciro Marchetti. Again, I'll put it in the show notes, guys, because I'm probably butchering this amazing guy's name. So we'll start with the Tarot of the Marseille. The card is an image of a man in colorful clothing. If you remember, this deck was illustrated in the 1600s, so it's a fair assumption to say that the attire of the man in the image would reflect a court jester or fool. He's garishly dressed with a silly kind of hat on his head. In some of the versions of this deck I've seen, he's actually wearing like a pointy jester kind of hat. He carries a sack tied to a stick like seriously hobo style. It's slung over his shoulder and in his other hand is a walking stick and he appears to be on a journey of sorts. He's walking away from us in this picture and he's turning to look over his shoulder. Now behind him is a small dog. Well, some sources say it's a lynx and it's jumping in his leg and it's pulling down his pants. Now, I've even seen variations that show the dog or lynx or whatever really laying it into the fool, like biting him on his leg and like drawing blood from him. And there's one where the animal has like pulled his pants all the way to the ground and the fool's genitals are exposed, hanging down between his legs, and the animal looks pretty 
delicious. You know what I mean? I will definitely have that in the show notes for you. So now the Wait Smith deck has a very different image. Okay. The fool is depicted on a pathway walking more towards us and off of a cliff. Now, he still holds a satchel tied to a stick, but the sun is out and it's shining on him and he looks so hopeful, almost like a Disney character ready to like burst into song. His clothing, um, it's lost like that court jester look, but it's still sort of a formal renaissance style. And it brings to mind more the role of a page. There's a real youthfulness about him in this card. There's also an animal in the illustration, but it runs alongside the fool, almost like a pet or a friend. Now, for our contemporary deck, I've chosen the Legacy of the Divine Tarot. And looking at this picture, it's different again. The jester look is back, keeping with the contemporary style of this deck, though. He's more like in a Cirque du Soleil kind of look. He's got this really cool red and purple bodysuit with like a fun hood and mask. He's depicted above the earth in space, balancing on an hourglass. And there's like this rainbow arc around him displaying the first set of cards in the High Arcana. He still has a little dog companion there and it's like kind of clinging to a ribbon and like looks really playful. So what I find interesting is that in all three renditions through the ages, this card, they all have an animal on it. And I will talk about that. I want to look at the symbology around the dog and the natural environment. But before I do, let's just go over what this card means divination-wise when it shows up in its spread. The fool is often calling on us to let go of conventions, to trust the journey we are on, to let go, to be brave, to head out into the unknown. The fool is us. He is the uninitiated making his way through the path of enlightenment. I just want to say how much I would love to see the fool move towards a more androgynous expression of gender. The fool is all of us. So I don't think it needs to be male or female or genderized at all. As a culture, we're evolving. We are moving into a place of acceptance around gender identity and gender expression and sexual expression. And I think that as we evolve, we see the reflection of our culture in the artwork of our decks. And although we've caught up with a lot more decks that show people of color, and we've dropped some of the nomenclature around, or nomenclature, how do you say that? We've gotten rid of some of the names or changed the names around knight and page and king and queen. We have decks that are much more inclusive in that way, but we need to bring in more diversity still, and the fool is a perfect place. The fool is the initiate, the fool is everyone and no one. I mean, come on, it doesn't even have a number. When you think of that meaning, both of these two cards make sense, especially for their time in history. 
In the 16th century, it was the fool of the court who had the freedom to tease the courtiers and expose their follies, like a trickster god, wise in his jests. Even when his pants were down, somehow he was not the joke, and he saw through conventions. Smith adjusted the fool's point of view from looking away to looking forward. Both Smith and Waite were active in the occultist movements of the 1900s and studied with the Golden Dawn. Their fool is a depiction of the initiate beginning a journey. Okay, let's have a look at that pup and talk about how the wilds were seen in the different times that these two decks were penned. You've got the Tarot de Marseille in the 1600s. The point of view is that the wilds are really against you. We have the fool out there traveling the world outside of the court. He's left the castle. He's on his own. And it's more like the world is against him. Contrasting to the early occultists, they have the dog as your friend. The wilds and nature are not your enemy. They're not what you're battling. We're divining more and using the tarot cards more to dive into our inner psyche, our inner life, and our inner landscapes. And you can really see those two points of view when you break it down and look at the artwork and what age they're coming from. Now, the animal starts out pretty menacing and kind of not very nice, but our early occultists decided that the dog was the fool's ally. And instead of nipping and exposing the fool's bottom to the world, the pups become like a friend on this journey. Instead of it being the animal, the danger presented in the Waite-Smith deck is represented by the cliff. And it's funny to me that I always thought there was a rainbow in Pamela Coleman Smith's illustration that the fool was like leaping off the cliff onto it. And it's in writing this that I saw I was totally wrong. I honestly don't know what deck I've seen that in, but it's out there. Like if you guys know that, like shoot shoot me a, a message, like put a little comment because I don't know what deck I've seen that in and I was sure it was in this one. But anyway. In both of these cards, we can see the idea being presented that the fool is ill-prepared. They're ignoring the circumstances. However, in the Terror of Marseille, the fool seems a target of fate. The wilds he finds himself in are menacing. They either mean him harm or will expose his folly for what it is. In the Waite-Smith deck, the fool seems more foolhardy and innocent, with his head in the clouds as he dances and plays on the cliff edge. His faithful dog is almost acting as a guide. That's the whole message behind this card, that the fool, even in their foolishness, even feeling unprepared, is answering the call. They are setting out, they are adventuring. The whole meaning behind the card is to let go, to heed the hero's call and begin something with that unknowing open heart of the foolish and naive. I chose the legacy of the divine because the modern depiction is a beautiful blend of the two traditional decks. The fool is powerful in this deck and stands outside of time not having a number between 1 
and 21, he really is off the earth. He's ready to meet the archetypes the cards represent because they're splayed out before him. And he's back in his jester clothes. That idea that he can see through the masks and the different fronts people put up. Ready to dive into the deeper layers and meanings of life. I like how the legacy of the Divine's Fool is still playful, has that trickster air with him, especially in the costume and the way he's really dancing. There's a joyfulness about him, a willingness to be foolish, a willingness to learn, and still encapsulates that court jester who knows everyone's secrets kind of air. It brings to mind some of those trickster kind of ideas, examining our own follies, examining our own faults, and looking at where we get in our way and where we are stopping ourselves from our own evolution. So you can see when we look deeply into the artwork of the different decks in the different ages, they really do reflect the time they came from. However, the message doesn't completely change. It evolves with our culture as we evolve. So there you have it, guys. That's my little tarot talk on the fool. I hope you guys like this segment. This is what I really want to do with this is dive into stuff and talk about things. Please leave me a comment. Leave me a message. Tell me if this helps you in your readings. I'd really love to know, okay? And um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And I hope this gives you another perspective on your Fool card when you're doing readings. I hope you enjoyed our half hour or so together talking about witchy things. It was mainly all about the tarot today. I really hope to bring you more topics in each episode Today, just because we were getting to know each other, we just got through one thing. So I hope you'll subscribe to this little podcast and that we can spend some time hanging out in your earbuds together. I'm going to be putting up show notes, which will have links to my socials, some of the stuff I'm doing out there in the world, my YouTube channel, which will have, of course, as I promised you, a little video showcasing the decks I used today and giving credit to the beautiful artist, beautiful artistry in these decks. I'm also going to include a clickable transcription so that you can read this if you'd like. If you want to book a reading with me, you can pop over to my website. There will be a link in the show notes for that as well. Okay, my lovelies, you have a wonderful time. Thanks for joining me for this witching half hour or so 